0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 2021 Maximum Fun Story Break Bonus. Looks like we
1: made it. Hey, you made it through 2020. You fought your way through. Now it's time to kick back and relax with some delicious Story Break
2: Bonus content. You got through the third act of, of, of the Humanity. pandemic. <laughs> now we're on to, kind of the, frankly, the most boring act. So the, let's, just, false, you know, let's get either through it. The
0: false
1: victory or the false defeat. We'll see which one it is pretty soon soon. Oh, that was grim. Wow.
0: (laughs) This year, we figure that we talk a lot about screenplays. We do a lot of break-ins of stories and all that on this show. And we talk about five-act structure a lot. And sure, you could Google it, but we thought instead of breaking stories, we point to some of our favorite acts in different movies so that one you can kind of figure out what we're talking about we can give you some examples and then two we can just celebrate and talk about movies we love Talk about shit we like so long one of the things long the internet's so negative will campos
1: here being serious for a second one of the things i love about studying storytelling is seeing the patterns across stories again like this there's been countless books and countless screenplay you know how-to uh, manuals written on this subject but like looking at you know clueless and mad max fury road and looking at a chunk of clueless i mean like this is like that chunk of mad max fury road which are two movies that are completely different from each other on the surface there's something really magical i find about that and like to, you know we talk a lot about the five act structure kind of as you know shakespeare you know kind of uh you know i don't want to say defined but like as you know sort of endemic of a lot of his work as being a tool we use a lot on the show to talk about uh, breaking our movies down. And so one of the things I love about this structure is the way you can see it in so many stories.
2: Um, And so, yeah, we're going to go act and what I like about the five act structure, not to throw some shade, but like after thousands of years of storytelling, the fact that a lot of screenwriters will still point out that the fucking structure of stories is there's a beginning, middle and the end is like fucking studying architecture for thousands of years and being like, yeah, you know, they all have roofs. They got the, the, <laughs> the door. Walls. So like can we just get a little bit more detailed than this fucking act 1 two, and 3 beginning middle end so like the fifth again not every story is exactly the five acts but like there's a strong structure. And I think it works for movies because they essentially break down into about 20 minute chunks. Let's be honest, every movie over uh, 100 minutes is garbage. Right, all movies should be staunchest
1: Lord of the Rings fan in the universe. There's not a single
2: movie that I'm going to talk about that's (laughs) shorter than like two and a half hours. (laughs) The other thing too
0: is that you know, in some of these cases, we're not saying that the screenwriters were using this like tool to like help them structure their thing. We may be backfilling in some of these cases here, but again, this is the one that we like to because it kind of ensures that you get around some of the problems that you can get with three act when you have it not granular enough you know there's a lot of the movies yeah. we talk about like where the second act just like goes and goes and goes and it feels like, like a little aimless and it's the kind of thing where it's like eh, throw a little structure in there see if you can't hit some points and you know make your movie a little bit better come along this journey with us as we go through the five act structure
1: uh, with some of our absolute favorite movies and talking about what we like about them and you two can revel in the similarities <laughs> the dissimilarities also just as a caveat this is our rough interpretation of how we think of the five acts and you know yes. so please light my ass up on Twitter if I'm wrong because I
2: actually am always trying to learn more about how dramatic structure works so yes um, all right. And just to clarify we each picked a movie yes. that we like that specific act of so when we talk about act one we're all going to say what movie do we like the first act of yes so let's do it all right Will, what's act one of so movie? let's
1: talk about act one what is to, to me act one and again I'm going to I've got the tab plot synopsis for Romeo and Juliet up right now because I think okay, Romeo good, and Juliet okay. very clearly i think does this structure in a way that's really easy to understand so act one is to me the act where you lay out who your main character is what they want on a deep tissue level you know and like again this is kind of what dan Harmon would call the zone of comfort act we're seeing them Mm -hmm. in their status quo we're seeing the world in its status quo that status quo is not entirely static you know you have people that want things they're struggling they're striving they're yearning and then at the end of the act we're gonna see Something the big turn of act one is often what is uh, what I think of is often called the inciting incident and the inciting incident is where, you know, we've seen the problems that our main character is wrestling with. And this is either going to be a crisis or an opportunity or something that allows them to pursue what they want is the way I think of this act. So we see in act one of Romeo and Juliet. A lovelorn Romeo mooning over some other girl. He gets invited to a party to get his, you know, to take his mind off of her. Meanwhile, we're being introduced to the tension between the Montagues and the Capulets. And then, holy shit, Romeo meets Juliet and she's a Capulet and he's totally smitten by her. Like, that's act one of Romeo and Juliet.
2: So, to me, I'll get us started and I feel like. Oh, I was going to say, do you want to just get started? Or I was going to say, do we all say what is the letter of the first word of our movie and who is alpha? And we do alphabetical.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Let's do it. Sure. All right. So I'm
2: F. You're F? I'm N. I'm T. Okay, oh, Matt, you're up. Can I go first? Yes. Then? I think this is the first best first act of any movie slash any story ever. Five Nights at Freddy's, fel- the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is Fellowship of the Rings. All right, fair,
0: fair, fair. Fel- fair. I mean, look,
2: it is a. It, you have this prologue. The reason I think Fellowship of the Rings works so well is everything you were saying. We were talking about zone of comfort. What the fuck is more comfortable than Hobbiton? Mm-hmm. Right. You have this beautiful, <laughs> perfect world that you want to live in. So, and as a movie structure, right? This took 11 hours and condensed it in such a way that people who never cared about fantasy fucking fell in love with these movies. And one of the reasons it works so well is twofold. One, the prologue and everything underneath the first act gives this dramatic irony. There's always this, you know... Where this story is going, you know, the ring is dangerous, you know, they have it, but the zone of comfort is never infiltrated in that part, right? You get to just enjoy how wonderful the life of Hobbiton is without having some artificial drama, because underneath that, you know, it's coming. It's this dread of like a war opposing. And then the actual inciting incident is so elegant and beautiful and simple. What to you is the inciting incident? It is the moment that Gandalf says, I can't take the ring. You have to take the mm-hmm. ring. Obviously, the actual world, the, the conflict of the ring already there, right? Mm-hmm. But the actual moment is Frodo is asked to leave his zone of comfort and do this because Mm -hmm. it's this and, and it's so devastating because the it's not like he's thrown into it the stakes of it are so large right I can't think of something that that sets up the stakes to be so drastic it's somehow more powerful than like a nuclear bomb going off because you have Gandalf who's just beautifully introduced in the movie as this powerful wizard and he can't carry this piece of jewelry that's going to destroy the world and the only person that can is this little hobbit mm-hmm. and his one friend Sam right and it's literally the crossing the threshold moment is i've never they they lay it down right i've literally never been farther I, one more step is as far as away from home. You know I've that's really so anyways, interesting. I just think it's one of the greatest first acts.
1: It's really because yeah, it's the and, and again, Lord of the Rings is is so fascinating because it is like each act is a double wide, right? Like, is there like it's a three yeah. hour movie, but like it actually perfectly syncs up with the structure. To me, like you're like that second act is that journey to Rivendell, and then it's like yep. the real turn into the adventure of the movie is no, you got to take the fucking thing to Mount Doom. Like you couldn't do <laughs> yeah. Mount Doom fifteen minutes into the movie. You know you want and like so the the way you're right that the way they look. Like, in the shire they really make you care about the world and the stakes of the world are so important so the fact that he does such a good job frodo's a really interesting character in terms of that like he's a bit of an outsider he's a bit of a dreamer like he's so much his you know like his relationship with bilbo is so well you know sort of defined and that gives you quite a bit of it about him even though he is like a kind of classic passive character at the beginning well
2: bilbo's great because bilbo essentially lets you externalize the conflict of bilbo essentially tells you what he could be right bilbo is this dreamer that went on an adventure already Mm -hmm. right so it very inherently it very elegantly sets up like the difference between the outside world and hobbiton without even having to like cut outside like you've had this guy who's leaving and retiring and you know all the hobbits think he's weird because you know he's just this like weirdo and it's like frodo and again that defines frodo is that frodo doesn't think he's weird frodo is enchanted by his stories and his adventures and
1: stuff like again he's the one who's really excited to see gandalf and wants to hear about the outside world
2: what? It just is a movie, the music, and, and he's mm. reading a book. He's just reading a book. He's just reading a book, a little
0: hobbit. And they even have a little time to do a fucking bootleg pyrotechnic
2: sequence so you know that the other hobbits are crime hobbits. Okay, <laughs> name one movie that has first act has... A hobbit smoking marijuana with a wizard, yeah, right? Like that's good. a good, <laughs> ass uh, you know, person. that's got Remarkably weed. Specific, it's got I booze. Say. <laughs> it's
1: got crazy pranks. But you're right. It it is ATF also the ATF
0: is all over the first act. It
1: is also simmering with tension. You're right that there is yeah. a lot of there's a lot of implicit conflict waiting to boil over. Anyway,
0: let's move on. Freddie, yeah. lay it on us. So I was gonna do, um, and it's not quite the same, but I I really like the opening, the intro, the act one of Nodding Hill. All right. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, so pff- Not. So I wanna shy. No, no, I want I wanna emphasize really quick. It's very tempting when we talk about act structures to, to think about action movies and big breaks. And I uh, grant, I think, you know, this is what we watch too, we love that stuff. But it can be Smaller than that, it can be dramatic. Notting Hill, one of the greatest rom-coms of all time. We meet Hugh Grant, this bumbling, befuddled, not doing, not so hot indie bookseller in a. I believe at the time this was written, it's not a good part of London, but like I guess now it's just an insanely like rich part of. I don't know. Gentrification happens anyway. He's in there. He sees and meets Julia Roberts, who is this like big time American movie star. Kind of a little bit of a meta casting there. Pretends not to Mm -hmm. notice her. They he later you know she's in the bookshop he sells her a book they're charming you can tell there's a they're smoking with chemistry so much chemistry on his way out like getting coffee he's just like so befuddled i was like i gotta get some coffee he runs into her in the street and spills coffee on her somehow manages to be like hey listen uh you you gotta get changed uh here clean off in my place my place is right there she cleans up in the apartment and then they smooch in the doorway. And it's Did like, they smooch
1: that early in the they movie? Do. She, it's a Insanely very strong character early. decision. Mm-hmm. It is a very strong mm-hmm. character decision. Oh, you're right, because yes, it is. That is essentially the one ring falling in his lap, right? It's like, yes, what yes. the fuck? What do I do now? This is the most awesome and terrifying thing that's ever happened <laughs> to me. And then the second act is him debating essentially whether he's going to have a relationship with this
2: woman. This is such be. a
1: timid guy and now this crisis has fallen into his lap. Like That's actually What's really impressive
2: good. about Notting Hill, because we're working on kind of like a road trip romance which is like very different but like having watched a lot of romantic comedies Notting Hill a lot of romantic comedies essentially I mean frankly our movie does this too which is like you introduce the two characters separately Mm -hmm. and you kind of like have fate bring them together but Notting Hill essentially like almost the first scene I mean there's a little bit of, of intro of what they are but like it gets them together so quickly that you're really like introducing the characters through their interactions with each that's other that's really smart like, yeah that bookstore scene is like he's a shy bookstore owner she's like a celebrity who's trying to like hide her face and just mm-hmm. wants to live a normal life and like it gets them together so quickly that like the movie almost doesn't give you the ability yeah. you know what it is it's almost the equivalent of Normandy <laughs> which yes is, it is so like in in Normandy, Normandy you can
1: of rom-coms, is that what you're saying? It just drops you in in there, it doesn't give you an option to look
2: anywhere else. Like, you have to be for these two characters. (laughs) Yes, it
1: is, like, such a kick in the teeth
0: of how hard and how fast (laughs) Notting comes at you. Usually
1: the standard formula is, like, he works at the, you know, greeting card company, and she's, you know, like, and it's, like, then we see them bump into each other. Like, the but to really start, it's actually uh, Before Sunrise does the same
0: thing. Like, you literally start with him
1: seeing this beautiful girl on the train. Yeah. That's very cool. And what
0: is fascinating about it, again, is this is an example where it's like you can build movies off of a lot of things. This is one that is built the entire thing. The entire movie would not fucking work if Hugh Grant... And Julia Roberts did not have this chemistry from the oh, yeah. jump. Mm-hmm. Like it's like it is such a high wire act because they're saying like we're gonna go so hard with this character decision right at the top, and if you even for a second aren't like I don't know about those two, the whole movie doesn't work. Mm-hmm. What? a fucking pull! <laughs> like what That's a, a fucking one. move! Go bigger, go home, man. Go big or go home. Notting Hill. Highly recommended All for right, everybody. These right. are good ones. So, What's up, Will? What starts with a T? T is for taken, gentlemen. I look.
1: yes, yes, I, yes. yes. Class. yes. Yes. yes i can't look and again this is i, I almost hate to bring this movie up because i do think it is a deeply problematic and fucked yes. up movie but the first 15 minutes of this movie are flawless you know what's not problematic
2: about it the structure is not There's no problem <laughs> the structure's structure's structures. Fucking perfect baby
1: okay. again anyone who's listened to the podcast for any amount of time knows how much we love taken how much we reference the first act of taken specifically because so many action movies the instinct is always to kick down the door with a big action scene. Again, it's James Bond ruined action cinema for in the West because of this. Right, <laughs> every James Bond movie starts with a debonair. Like they go bigger and bigger on the opening action scene, and then people think that's the only way to stat- to get people to care about your character. And Taken mm-hmm. is like, no, 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 no. We're gonna make you fall in love with this guy trying to connect with his daughter. Yes. It is very Die Hardian in its first act. And I think Die Hard also has a flawless action movie yeah. first act. Yes, agreed. it is a status quo and again for a superhuman character starting with their feet of clay starting with the thing they actually struggle with and makes them again this guy is going to be an invincible murder machine for the rest of this Mm -hmm. movie so like starting with him at his most vulnerable at his most raw really gets you to connect with him in a way you really can't with most action heroes a lot of action movies try to give you the pathos of like oh he clearly loves his wife or he loves his daughter or they have a connection to someone but it is like it is his not just that he cares about them it is his struggle right Liam Neeson who's going to be fucking blowing shit up at the end of this movie I, I always think about him going to this store to look over the manual mm-hmm. of the karaoke machine he's gonna buy his daughter for his birthday who he hasn't seen in forever it is like so painfully earnest and it's so dorky and again because like don't get me fucking started on how action movie heroes today only want to look tough and badass right like yes, they only want to yeah. look cool you got fucking jason statham and vin diesel and the rock all arguing about how they should all have the exact same number of Punches in the fucking Fast and the Furious movies, and it's like, come on, Indiana Jones is cool because he gets the shit kicked out of him, not because he throws the most punch. Anyway, whatever. This is a side rant, but the pathos that they give you, and then him showing up to the party, and then the new stepdad got him got her a fucking
0: pony. By and the like, way, I remember the first time I saw that beat when it's like, not only is his gift shitty, but then new stepdad in this opulent party gets her a pony. I was watching with my friend Logan. Both of us were like,
2: oh yes, like we were like <laughs> lean back, clapping, no, yeah, we were slow It's one of the only actually for. 20 minutes like no, like it's not that nothing's happening but for 20 minutes that movie just keeps reinforcing how much he loves his daughter and how much he tries to go out of his comfort zone to make her happy that like i'm just like i'm like literally fist pounding the air just getting ready for him to start killing people because i'm so ex- like i care so much because i know the conceit of the it, movie it, before like it's, the movie it, starts. It's,
0: if there's anything that movie establishes it is you do not want <laughs> to fuck with so Liam Neeson's daughter. They do is like, so
1: hard. The other thing a good act 1 is is it's the part of the roller coaster where you're going up, right? It's yeah. the tick mm-hmm. tick Tick, 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 yes. and you see that hill cresting, right? And that's what this one, the way they bring in the like, hey, we're going to go on this trip to Europe, and he's uncomfortable. He knows it's a bad idea. And then we start yeah. feeling queasy because he's feeling queasy. And then he goes against his better judgment to agree to it at the airport. And then, so it also has to me, like, this movie wastes zero. F- and again, the cl- probably the best inciting, one of the best inciting incident yes. scenes of all time me, is the phone call. Most literally, yes. the entire trailer was just the phone call. <laughs> How often can a movie just do one scene? As its trailer, as its fucking trailer, that's how good that, that, how hard that drop works. But it's also like my favorite cut is the people forget about this. It cuts from him. Up, he hangs up the phone. And I swear, and this might not be exactly true, but was like, in my mind, the next cut is he just fucking kicks open the door of his, his ex-wife's yes, house. And the, the door next, li- the next line out of his mouth is she's been taken. Like, it's just, yeah. it is, a, it's just a
2: gunshot. It's a the, slow build. And then it drops the coaster to the point where it has one of the shortest second acts of all time. She's, been, he's taken. Pretty much like, she's whole, been taken. She's been taken. Hey, idiot dad, I need your airplane. Second <laughs> act over. Like, like that's the, it's like now it's action like it's so good it's literally like we
1: just said that all movies have five acts it is literally a two-act film like the rest of them like (laughs) and again the rest of taken like the past that i don't remember any of the fucking i remember some of the gnarly shit he does but it's like the rest of the movie is pretty whatever in my opinion the very
2: it 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 earns a good epilogue i was gonna say the one comparison like why i think it works better even though i probably like well no i'd say the reason it works like raid is a similar example but raid like half-asses, like, he cares about his brother, but, like, Taken works for it, right? It yes. spends a long time to show you. It doesn't just tell you he loves his daughter, it shows you it. Yes. So that even, like, the third act, like, with, with like, the boats us whatever, the little epilogue still works well, like, him giving his daughter, um... Music lessons with Beyonce. Music lessons? It's yeah. cute! It works! Because you've set it up! <laughs> like, it's nice. Alright, so, yes, but yes, that's what I
1: love about Taken.
0: Uh, good. Act good for us, Agreed. I'm, you guys, we all are pumped for some movies right now,
1: yeah, so I'm what pumped. happens next, Fully, then? fully pumped. Alright, so we've Kicked off into act two. So, act two is like this is in Joseph Campbell, often called the refusal of the call. This is mm-hmm. often called like the debate sequence. The problem has arrived, right? you just saw Juliet and she's a Capulet, right? Your daughter's been taken by the bad guys. You know, Julia Roberts wants to go out with you, right? And now (laughs) what are you going to do about it? Is the central question of the second act to me. And again, like this is also like in, again, we use Dane Harmon story circle quite a bit. This is where the, the, the character is going to have to make a choice to leave their zone of comfort. to put the old world behind to pursue what they want by crossing over into the forest, essentially. And this, This act culminates in that threshold crossing moment. So at the end of act two of Romeo and Juliet, they kiss. You've essentially laid out the stakes. They're like, hey, you're a Capulet. I'm a Montague. They both fall in love with each other. It's like, are we going to do this or not? Basically, the conceit is not here. They're going to try to have a secret, illicit love affair in this high stakes environment. Right. So that to me is the gist of an act two is, again, this is essentially the end of the beginning. All right. So let's go. Let's go around
2: the room. I have F again. Okay, you have F. I have S. Same is same with me. Oh, oh shit! Oh yes. shit! All right, go All ahead. You go, Matt. I kind of cheated, Well, not cheated. Mine's actually M. Okay, so now I'm worried. Like, we'll see. I think what the second act of this movie is 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 up in question. But here will be my argument. Okay, because I think this is the only movie where I've seen people applaud at the end of the second act. Okay, so is F or M? So what would that be? Mad Max Fury no. Road. All right, so, uh, all right, okay, so okay. I was okay. thinking the way I was thinking of it because it's tough because technically I'd say the inciting incident is her leaving, right? It is her escaping. That is that is. Yes. In fact, it's such a short first act. The first act is just. Him sitting quietly eating a lizard mm-hmm. and getting, getting captured, captured and trying then, and failing as to escape. Yeah, becoming and becoming a And then his back. first act yeah. is almost a very passive one. Yeah, like yeah, he yeah. is forced into slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, he tries to escape and he's forced into slavery. She decides to leave. Mm-hmm. So the second act of that movie is the examination of how these two characters are going to, and then and the increased conflict, which is the entire world is coming after him. So mm-hmm. the first, the second act either ends it frankly probably ends with their handshake, right? Like That's, that is to me, like, the,
1: to me, the second, because I actually love to me, the end of the second act is one of my favorite ends. of the second, Again, the whole movie is one of my favorites, but yeah. is he's stolen the truck after the sandstorm. Yes. He's about to drive off. She's like, look, you, you can't drive the truck without me. And then she's like, do you want that mask off your face? And then he looks at her and you get that junky XL cello string. Yep. And it was like, boom, boom. And I remember the crowd going absolutely fucking berserk.
2: Like, yeah, so like both, because I was going to say, the end of the, the, end, the entire chase into the sandstorm yes. is so astonishing. Mm-hmm. There's so little dialogue throughout that movie. And it's just because those characters are introduced so well, their debate is so short. I feel like it does the thing that a lot of survival movies have a hard time doing, which is like, yes, like inherently you want to survive. You want to, you know, not freeze to death in the Arctic. You want to not die on a cliff. You want to not die on the, on the, on the, you know, in the space station, but like they find a way to like, yes, it's about survival, but they make it about philosophy and characters. Like by like that moment is like, is he going to be selfish? Like, what is this really about? Like, like, can you just make it on your own in this wasteland? Anyways, just Fucking astonishing action, and the characters are great. It's just incredible. All, All right. right. How about you guys? What do you got, Freddie? Well,
0: I'm going to say it at the same time All as right. you do. I think we're going to say yeah. the same thing. Three, two, one. Speed Star Racer? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you go first we'll on Speed Racer. Speed we'll right. talk a little Ooh, bit about Star second
1: Wars. Act. Speed Racer. And this is, again, not necessarily the first act you think of with Speed Racer. With so much of the movie, people talk about that just... Orgiastic psychedelic final Are race. Are you saying that
2: I'm a simpleton and I put it at the fifth act? I did. Keep going.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so for me, the second act of Speed Racer is we see his astonishing race at the beginning. You know, like we, we get introduced in that incredible flashback structure. The inciting incident of Speed Racer to me is Royalton wants to recruit him to his team. Mm, and then yes. the movie has this insane. And Royalton is one of my all time favorite uh, movie villains. And he comes in and he wants to recruit Speed Racer to his team. And he's the fucking devil but he is so gosh darn charming he literally again like talk about a an inciting incident he literally helicopters in to their house (laughs) and then comes and he's talking about buying the fucking mom's pancake mix, pancake pan cooking recipe yeah, yeah he wants uh you know he wants pops to be like you know his you know new chief engineer and he flies them off to the world of the villain right he flies them off to Royalton headquarters and he's taking them on this dazzling tour you're getting all this zany hijinks you know kid action with the kid and the monkey eating all the candy and stuff like that But it all builds to this head where it's like, the question of the act is, Royalton wants to recruit you. Are you going to take this deal, right? And, you know... Royalton clearly gives Pops the fucking creeps, they're really not but they're going to let Speed make his own decision, right? And Speed's whole thing is he wants to be a racer and here's this opportunity, and so it all builds up, you're like, oh you don't really know how to feel about it, but you get why he would take the deal, and it all builds to this incredible scene where Speed turns him down and in turning him down, he talks about the beating heart of the movie which is this moment he had with his dad after his brother died, where they were watching this beautiful race, but that they knew the outcome of already, but they just started cheering because their racing is so pure and part of their soul. And then Royalty gets one of the best bad guy monologues I've <laughs> ever heard in my life. He's like, you poor naive, yes. ignorant chump. <laughs> and he reveals he's got the wrecked card from that race yeah. and reveals that it was all rigged beforehand to try to break speed. And he's like, and, he, and talk about a threshold crossing moment. Is like, If you do not sign this contract, if you want to be a real race car driver, <laughs> you'll sign that contract. And it's literally, if you don't, he's like, that upcoming race, you, your, your family will be destroyed. Your name will be destroyed. You're not going to win that race. You're not even going to finish, right? And then this essentially kicks off what is going to become his journey is that he is going to, at the end of the third act, at the end of the second act he decides he's going to go take down Royalton and it's just it gets and again the way it gets to the it, it, to me what it, what works about it so well is beyond just the fun of it and the drama of it is that it does it gets to the th- the theme in such an explicit way in that moment yes. and it gets both just to the theme but it also to the completely divergent views that
2: the hero and the villain have on that very theme mm. anyway it's terrific I'm not even going to talk more about it I'm not even going to add to it because we're just going to talk about it in the fifth act and I think I'm just going to talk about how good the second <laughs> (laughs) Act explained by the fifth act, so good. Perfect choice, Will.
0: I mean, so Star Wars, right? Basically, he gets his dad's lightsaber. He's got this thing, being like, "Yo, rescue me." Mm -hmm. He's got some robots. What more could a desert boy want? (laughs) And an old guy saying, "You got here's a, a dude." Act two of Star Wars, an old man gave me a laser sword and showed me a hot lady on a robot.
2: <laughs> the end of Act Two is, is the family's dead, right? Yes, he doesn't
0: like, want to go. He doesn't he's not quite sure about it. He Obi-Wan lays it on him. He's like, hey, I got this laser sword. Do you want to play with this more? And he's like, I don't know. And then his aunt and uncle, his caretakers, burnt to a crisp by the evil empire with nothing there he's got, he's got nothing to lose. And that sort of gets you going on to meeting Han Solo and all that. It is such a deceptively simple movie. Yes. Very simple. To me, the
1: iconic act one moment is Luke staring at the two sons, right? We see his yes. yearning for adventure, his yearning to go see out the galaxy. Right. And then act two, again, this is another thing that I think act twos really do and should do very well is it brings all the conflicts to the forefront, right? Despite Luke's eagerness to go see the galaxy, we see how earthbound he is is in his fears, mm-hmm. right? He's like, I can't go with you, Obi-Wan. I've got the harvest. I gotta
0: go but farm. where am I gonna get the blue milk to drink?
1: Fucking the space dirt. I got this crap to deal with, right? And it's like, so even though this is right here, he's got all this stuff keeping him tied down, even though, like, adventure is calling him.
0: You know what Obi-Wan should have done? Obi-Wan should have given him some
2: space weed and said, <laughs> I can't take this sword <laughs> to
0: Alderaan, and then he'd be in on it, baby.
2: <laughs> Alright, third act. Third, third act's act. the easiest one to explain. Well, what, what are we talking about with the third act? So the
1: third act and if the, let's let's take Star Wars for a second, right? So again the mm. iconic end of second act moment is him staring and seeing the family burned, right? And he says there's nothing for me here. I will go with you to Alderaan. I will learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father, right? People often when they fucking write a movie, they're like I can't be too explicit. I don't want to be I don't I want to be subtle. <laughs> I don't want I'm so scared of of being, you know. And it's like no, fucking hit it with a sledgehammer. She's movie been sledgehammers. Taken. <laughs> I'm going to be a Jedi like my father. Here's this (laughs) massive cello hit, right? You're never going to finish. You're never going to win the race. Like, fucking drive it home. And so this is now the
2: point... Where the movie Carla was the prom queen. No, sure. You know what my third act is, baby. Oh my god! Yeah, the
1: stakes of the adventure have arrived, and now the main character is embarking on their quest. In Romeo and Juliet, this is off. This is what Blake Snyder calls the promise of the premise. Right? This is what you came to the fucking theater to see. You came to see Liam Neeson beat the shit out of people. You came to see Luke Skywalker go on an amazing adventure. You came to see Romeo and Juliet fall in love in the most high stakes environment imaginable. This is that act where we the 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 hero. Pursues their want and achieves it or if they at the midpoint, essentially. They get what they want. They should the thing that they've been chasing, they find it, and then it's not what they expect. So my act three starts with an A. Mine starts with
0: a number.
2: Okay. Mine's R or T. I'm gonna (laughs) cheat really quick.
0: (laughs) This one's kind of a cheeky one. I really like 21 Jump Street.
1: All right. (laughs) Yeah, so 21 Jump Street
0: has... And, and also, they know it's an act break, too. They, they And we'll, we'll talk about this <laughs> yes, in a second. A so we've, we've about got this, into... Yes. It's very cutesy. It is the most, mm-hmm. like, wink-wink at the mm-hmm. audience screenwriting joke I've ever seen in a movie. So here we are. These two adult men are going to infiltrate this high school yes. to try and figure out where the source of this teen drug, which are making teens go crazy, they're trying to find the source of that.
1: And oftentimes, just to point out, the the, the third act turn often is the log line for the movie. It's yeah. like the first act and second act are about getting you to that. And here and now two, two guys are going to pretend to be high schoolers to go bust yes. a crime, a drug ring, right? Anyway, keep going. For and so they're,
0: you know, they're going in and they're, and one of the things that they find, one of the fun bits that the movie really milks is that now their sort of like nerd jock dynamic has been totally inverted mm-hmm. because that's the world we're in now is nerds are the ones who rule the school. Jonah Hill's character is now the cool one. And now Channing Tatum, the hot Chad stud is no longer the cream of the crop. Their partnership gets into conflict mm-hmm. as they try and dig into things and they're figuring out plot details. And it culminates in this performance of Peter Pan. In the school play, they get a, in a big fight on the stage. They call, they ruin the play, and then very, very funnily, the play director comes out and says, "That's the end of Act Two, everyone." <laughs> so, in a three-act structure, this, this is, is the end. Know, the, of the and we all sit in theater
2: and said, "They mean Act three If you're talking about a <laughs> five-act structure,
0: but in a three-act structure, this would be the Act <laughs> yes, Two, yes, right? Yes, yes. So, at the end of this, their relationship is totally on the on the, on the rocks. The investigation's going nowhere. It's it's a great conflict that I think it is even it and you see it.
1: this a lot in if I remember correctly and maybe I might be wrong about this oftentimes in a detective movie this is where they have their they find they think they found the bad guy but it's a red herring or yes. they find the bad guy but then they can't prove it and then they
2: look like idiots
1: like I think yes. it's, it's, you
2: are, it's you often technically the low points you get what you want you find the clue you 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 get the thing that you were going for in surprise that wasn't the bad guy and then your fourth act is the oh no I'm an idiot you also and then you, yeah you also yeah. see a turn often of like you get the
1: thing but then act four is like, can hey, you hold on to it now that everyone's coming yes. after you? Yes, so exactly. Freddie, I love that you picked this as an example because it really clearly illustrates a, a big part of what act three is about to me, which is like, again, I kind of said it earlier, the forest, right? Which is like in, in young psychology, the forest is like the, the, there's civilization, right? Which, you know, the lights are on, it's safe. You understand it. And yeah. the forest is the unknown. And so for what I think this does so well is that this, this act break, isn't just like, okay, so now there are, it's, it's so many different sort of boundaries are being crossed. So many different dynamics are happening. Like two, you know adults are going to go hang out with children right but then you also have like you rightly pointed out both of them on their internal wants on their internal side are going to be put into an unknown situation with Jonah Hill is going to discover what it's like to be cool yeah Uh, Channing Tatum is going to discover what it's like to be a nerd this is the unknown for them and a lot of the third act that growth is seeing them struggle in this world like and that delineation is another thing that's often very murky and like it's often a false trap you can find yourself in as you think you've started a third act but your character isn't really in an unknown context they're not really facing something that they haven't faced before in which case you're just watching their status what you have is a procedural you have someone doing their job i I love that and again i think that movie is bulletproof in its structure like it's one of the reasons it works so well for my movie i picked alien so Ah, alien to me is like I what Again, this is the Blake Snyder, the monster in the house genre, right? And it's like one of the things I love about Alien and about many horror movies is that you can cross a threshold without crossing a threshold physical threshold at all you let the alien in out of quarantine right like the yeah. and then what you see is like the ship is their zone of comfort right and what's so scary is that now there is all of a sudden the environment you thought you knew so well that you were so safe in is now terrifying right and alien is like this it's it, often this is like in a in a cat and mouse game movie the third act is your big cat and mouse sequence right where like they're mm-hmm. learning about the alien right there are uh, through one horror f- every kill teaches them something new right like oh shit and bursts out of the guy's stomach oh shit it can spit acid it can change its shape it's sneaking around through the vents and so like seeing them get picked off one by one as they're trying to understand and combat this thing and again it's also something that horror movies do really well even though it's a horror thing you know it's a foregone conclusion that most of these people are going to die like the fact that you are learning new things and you are getting surprised and getting pulled the other ways like it's just again i think a good horror movie should have an incredibly compelling third act because this is where the where this is now where the monster gets to come out and play yes and to me the turn is the discovery of why the alien is really here like that monstrous Mm -hmm. turn where she really finds they're trying to find out what the fuck this thing is is kind of the right they're they're trying to understand the monster and then when she understands that no they were lured into here in in here by a trap (laughs) with Ian fucking home and like that terrifying Well, I don't want to spoil it whatever we do spoilers (laughs) where Ian home turns out to be a fucking robot and beats the shit out of her and then she kills him anyway great and then she realizes what they're up against and that's also now the sequence where this now becomes I need to blow up this ship that's where it goes from like i'm trying to get home i am trying to just survive this and get this thing out of mm-hmm. here to like all humanity itself is at stake i need to stop this thing um, and that's mm-hmm. also another good good uh, and that's really more into the, that's more the fourth act is really the, uh, the Ian Holmes yeah. stuff, whatever.
2: Um All right. So that's, that, that's my, that was my pick. What about you? Yes, hey, Matt? Matt. I'm, g- I'm going to do super fast. Uh, I'm going to go super fast and yet do three movies. So I had two movies first, which was going to be uh, the rock mm-hmm. and to be or not to be. They're just favorite romantic comedy, favorite action movie, just, the, again, to to Will's point, sell the concept. You want to see Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery in Alcatraz. <laughs> yes. You fucking see it in Alcatraz. And the build-up is they get captured, and that's the end of your third act. They're in prison. It's also got one of the best speeches ever for the end of the third act, which is, you know, I take pleasure in gun, you boy. And they're <laughs> gonna leave. Like and that, It's got a great spiral, too, actually, too, which is like, is Sean Connery gonna not be selfish, and is Nicolas Cage gonna be not the nerdy boy that he is and stand-up with and the And essentially, gun. yes, the conceit
1: um, of the adventure here being that this crazy ex- Khan and this science nerd are going to infiltrate Alcatraz to stop a yes. terrorist plot and yes they and they get to the very heart of the beast, they find the VX nerve gas, you know and then they get captured yes. right And then again, yes you're and, seeing yeah uh, Nicholas Cage's rising heroism as that goes
2: on. Um, and if you haven't seen To Be or Not To Be, it's two it's two con artists who fall in love, and then they put a con on an old lady. And it's like, can they be con artists oh, and be in love? No, and you're watching you got them. the wrong movie. Oh, sorry. I got mixed up. Sorry. That's Trouble in Paradise. That's what I meant. Trouble in Paradise. To Be or Not To Be is my, a different answer for me. But anyways, I then realized this is the best third act. Let me just propose to you the best third okay, act. Lay it it's on me. such a good third act. I don't think anybody even knows this movie has other acts. That's how good this okay. third act is. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. Speed. Shit. Yes. Everybody only yep. remembers yeah. yep. speed. Yes. Yes. third yes. act. Yes, it's yep. so good. Yep. When you think about speed, that's just the third act of the movie. There's an elevator sequence. There's a whole bunch. And there's a whole good. There's a whole other fourth. there's a whole subway sequence. Yep. You're right. But it's just Bob on a bus. Fucking <laughs> yes. one of the greatest third acts move in movies. And they fucking and you know what? It's one of the few third acts. It's like you said, like a detective movie. They succeed, right? Mm-hmm. It's a third act where it's not the low point. They actually succeed. They they stopped the bomb on the bus but now surprise like this guy's we gotta go find the, the yeah, guy you who's gotta doing go confront this. the
1: actual evil now
2: yeah yeah, yeah. yes
1: but yes Ugh. wow what a pull Ugh. very good what a pull. <laughs> Damn Very Matt. good. those are great that, all right, the rest of we've, all been, right. we've had four. a lot of fun getting to the heart of this uh, this bonus episode but now it's gonna get tough now it's can fun. we hold on to it we've maintained the audience's <laughs> interest but can we keep it or will they get bored and move on because it's time to talk about one of the trickiest acts act four So at the end of act three of Romeo and Juliet, uh, again, this is where they got La Passion is going on. So the end of act three crisis is that Juliet is supposed to marry another man. She's supposed to marry this guy, Paris, and she now refuses because she loves Romeo. And uh, she's like, oh my God, this is now the fourth act conflict, right? It's like, okay, yes, you've had your little fling, but what are you going to do about the real problem, right? What are you going to do about this guy that you need to marry, right? And so then she turns to Friar Lawrence for help. And now the fourth act is where they hatch their dumb, idiotic, scheme to fake their deaths and we all know how that turns out Um, i think this is
2: honestly where one of the places where most modern movies kind of fail though because they it's it's this is really the build-up after the little point like this is the this is like where the characters really have to get to their deepest moment and like and and you know what it is a lot of times there's just no conflict here but there needs to be there needs to be conflict. So Popper's do this really well because it's usually the apology. Like, this is, like, the apology before you can do the climax, and apologies are hard. Like, like if you have a really good apology, it's very hard, but anyways. This is, um, like,
1: you know, this is what Blake Snyder calls the bad guys close-in, you know, sort of section. Mm-hmm, um, it's mm-hmm, also... Yeah. after in, in,
2: you need in, the emotional bad guys close-in. This guy is, close in,
1: in, in, is in, the, in the sort of, like, when we're talking about that Joseph Campbell, you know, uh, hero's journey kind of thing. Like, you've descended into the underworld and you've gained some knowledge or you've gotten mm-hmm. something And now the question is, can you return to the real world, right? Like, can you get back to your status quo? Can you like actually you found the thing you wanted? Can you affect meaningful change with it? In Star Wars, like his explicit goal is to get the Death Star plans to Alderaan. Alderaan gets blown up, but he gets the plans to the princess at this devastating cost. His mentor dies, right? And this nervous, naive farm boy who doesn't really believe in himself. Now the question is, can he step up and finish the job? Can he take these Death Star plans? and defeat this great evil. You and know?
2: build the Death Star. And build the Death Star. <laughs> Mine's an F.
1: Yours is an F. A lot of F movies for Matt. Mine yeah. is a um, K and an Mine's an, an
2: M. An M. All right. Here and we a go, T. guys. Okay, you you know the great fourth act. Let me just talk about... Because <sighs> you know what? I realize I love Star Wars. I don't think Star Wars has that great of a fourth act. You know what has a fucking good fourth act? Fucking face-off. And let me explain to you why <laughs> face off. Fourth <laughs> act is one of the greatest fourth acts of all time because like one face off is just an impeccable movie but face off understands okay the fourth act of face off is again he's a cop he ends up going to the into the prison then he ends up getting out of prison going to the going to the world uh, he, of he switches, castro he
0: switches real, real quick real quick he switches faces with,
2: <laughs> like they switch faces just so i make sure everyone knows the that the whole point is essentially he's got nobody. he doesn't even have the people of Castor troy anymore right mm-hmm. like the the warehouse the gets crime blown boys, apart yep. The reason fourth act is so good because one, Nicolas Cage can do a monologue that is as good as any fucking action scene, which is him explaining the plot of the movie to his wife. <laughs> is your fourth act. And this is why it's incredible and important because the struggle of the fourth act, if the movie's about a man who fucking hides his scars from his family, the fourth act is about two things. One, can he convince his family he is who he says he is? And two, is he going to be able to risk his family in order to make things right? He's always hidden his wife from the mm-hmm. pain from what he's dealing with. He has to get his wife's help. He needs her to get involved in the actions scene. he needs to bring her to the church and be in danger in order to achieve this. He has to dig deep and fucking realize his family is the only thing that really he can't live in the past of the family. he lost. So- he's got to live with the family now. See, that's the thing. The fourth act actually has a build and a climax. He's got to go to his wife. He's got to convince her.
1: And this is actually, in a, again, in a classic action movie uh Fashion. A lot of times people try to sneak that fourth act emotional growth into the fifth act climax. Yeah. Like a, a lesser movie would have had the bullets are whizzing overhead and he has some spiel to his wife during like this big action scene. Yes. But what they do really well in that movie is they bring you to that emotional point right before the big action. And then it's mm-hmm. like also like all of that character growth is now in jeopardy. That fifth act can be pure suspense,
2: right? Yes. It is this test yes. of,
1: of wills against each other because they, that you laid the proper emotional
2: groundwork for. There's no more emotional growth happening during the action scene of Face Off. It's just fucking pure catharsis. And then there's a final, the last little tick, which is I don't need the scar anymore. (laughs) I don't need this. That's just, is he going to survive the adventure so he can finish his growth?
1: And so, yes, yes. the fourth act is about him Paying the price for his adventure, right? All of his running around and his deception and all of the action has brought him into the lion's den, right? He has essentially become Caster Troy, right? He is, you know, with the, he's seeing the uh, how Castor Troy lives. It's a very meeting of the goddess kind of trippy, surreal moment where yeah. he gets high on drugs. He, you know, meets the sun. He meets this sort of shadow sun that reflects his own mm-hmm. grief about the death of his own son, and then it all comes crashing down. The two worlds of the story, the cop world and the and the criminal world, literally collide with each other with in in, in inverse to the beginning of the movie and then essentially yes you have the building to this emotional moment it's very similar to the Die Hard has a very good
0: uh, low point emotional
1: uh yeah well it's yes. he he's met Hans Gruber you know he's out been outwitted outflanked his feet are all fucked up and then he has the scene where he's really staring death in the face and he comes to this emotional moment where he tells Al to apologize for him to his wife if he doesn't make it he really he learns the lesson of the movie and then he goes out for the big bombastic finale
2: um yeah that's my read of why uh, men really like Die Hard because I mean I love Die Hard is like a perfect movie but it's like the emotional climax is like, hey, you other guy, tell my wife I'm sorry. Whereas face off, he's got to actually shed tears. It's a real emotion. That's that like baby emotion. It's like the most fucking, like, I don't go to therapy. You're like, this is enough growth. Like, oh, yeah, you, you know, tell my wife. I'm sorry. I was a bad guy, I guess. No. Anyways. Not no, no you got to face die. your wife down. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, yes. Face so off off is you your get to wife. be
1: emotionally vulnerable with another man and then man. your <laughs> over wife. Over the phone. Over the phone.
0: Over the phone.
1: Anyway, very good so my k is kiki's delivery service ah yes Ooh. yes sir so, yes mm, yes yes Kiki's yes, delivery yes. service about a young witch trying to find herself in the big city right in her third act of, and this is one of the and again i wanted to bring up a movie that where like in action movies are great for these because the action is so specific and explicit <laughs> and loud but kiki has again, a lot of people look at kiki and they're like oh this movie's boring or it has like it doesn't have a story right it's just a lot of stuff happening but it has an emotional story woven through every moment of that film she is so headstrong at the beginning and ready and raring to go. She wants to leave a night early to go v- zoom mm-hmm. off into the city and to go grow up, essentially. hers, you know, Her th- third act adventure is, I'm going to become a delivery girl, a flying witch delivery girl on a broomstick in the big city, right? And then we see her meeting boys and going on adventures and learning about life, meeting all these co- quirky characters. But then she has her adulthood moment. And it, in traditional Miyazaki fashion, it's fucking devastating. Up till this point, we've seen her getting the pat on the the back and getting rewarded and people love her and then she gets a delivery right where she bakes this beautiful herring pie for this woman and to deliver to her granddaughter on her birthday and then she's flying out with this pie in this pouring thunderstorm, and she skipped a date with a guy that she wants to go to hang out with to go do this. She's like, I'll be right back, but she's riding off in this drenched rain with this beautiful gift of affection. She gets to the door, she gives it to the girl, and the girl's like, gross, this shitty pie from my grandma. The worst villain in movie fucking history is this girl <laughs> who answers the door to take the pumpkin and herring pie. And she's like, oh, it's a gross pie from my grandma. Slams the door in her face, and then she goes off, right? And this is the other side of adulthood, right? It's not all fun games. It's also like, yeah, life's unfair. Yeah, yeah. People are crazy. Rule, right? And then one of my favorite fourth acts of all time, and eerily parallel, the whole movie and Spider-Man 2 are essentially the same film, but this is like... <laughs> she loses her power she has a crisis an adult crisis where she wakes up the next day and her cat is no longer talking to her she can't fly she's freaking out she's having this if i'm not a witch what the hell am i right and she's depressed and she it is like again i come back to this movie and just weep when i watch it but it's she Mm -hmm. literally is so broken she can barely get out of bed and then she she's like oh my god what's happening right this despair and then the compassion of her neighbors being like you just stay and you know figure it out i'm sure it'll come back like you just need some time and then she goes off into the forest and she meets essentially her older self the yes. again like a lot of stories have a shadow self in them right in Face-off, his shadow self is Caster Troy, right? In Die Hard, his shadow self is... Well, Die Hard doesn't really have one because Die Hard doesn't even one because it's a perfect man. Um, the, In this movie, like again, about adulthood, there's this, this girl who's an artist who lives in this beautiful hut in the forest and is a painter, right? And again, there's a very strong parallel between her magic is like a metaphor for creativity and artistic expression. And so she has... Again, this very similar scene to what you're talking about, Matt, where she opens her heart to this person Mm -hmm. and she tells her this secret that she's like, you know, there are days, there are weeks where I can't paint a thing like I just can't do it. And I have to just take a break and trust that it'll come back to me. She learns this lesson it's a very grown up, very mature thing. And then we get into the climax. This brings me to just tears every single time is that she gets this gift from this old woman. The old woman bakes a cake for her. No one's ever baked a cake so for good. her before. And so you don't good. see, he doesn't let you see her cry. She turns around and you're just fucking <laughs> weeping. And she's like, thank you. And I'll be sure to visit you sometime with a cake. And then like, and now she's ready for the crisis, right? The boy in the movie the Hindenburg. Tom- yeah. The Tombo is dangling from a freaking blimp. And it's like, can she get her powers back in time to help him? Has she learned? Will she get it back in time or is this guy going to fucking fall on the ground? And it's again a nail biter because you've imbued it with so much emotion going into that fifth act.
2: So good. Kiki was always a movie that would get me teary eyed in the last like like three minutes of that movie. And then oh, no. and I watched it oh, no. uh, like oh, a year Matthew. into having a daughter, and just oh, like no. from minute one for oh, like no. an hour and a half. I don't even have a daughter, and like the
1: second I turned twenty five, and I watched the opening where her dad's like, "Who told you you could grow up so fast?" I yeah, just like, like oh, no. No. just ugly, no. ugly tears. It's such a yeah, beautiful, film. ugly okay. tear
0: movie. All right, all right, boys. I'm going to hit you with one of the greatest four facts in movie history. I can't okay. believe we haven't thought this one. Top Gun.
2: Ooh, Goose! Oh, Goose! Is yeah. oh, I was like, "Wait, what's the fourth act?" I was like, "That's
0: right." Goose the best parts killed. of the movie. And Maverick, this hotshot Tom Cruise pilot, who's been toe to toe with Val in this whole movie loses all of his confidence. Like Kiki, he loses his like mojo. Kiki, he yes. loses his confidence. He loses his mojo. And who does he go? He goes to his mentor figure, yep. the head instructor, who reveals this that is, his father was not a I have never hero. made this
1: connection before, mm-hmm. but this is exactly the kind of shit I'm talking about. The idea that Kiki and fucking Maverick, yeah, both like these hotshot the shot pilots, fucking living for danger, and then they have their And crisis? they both fight Russians at the end on air <laughs> on, on, on airplanes?
2: It's incredible. <laughs> Hindenburg. No, it's, no, dude, that's a good pull. No, that's a, a great It's pull. got some of the best imagery of the movie. It's, the it's got him driving imagery. sad at night yeah. on his motorcycle. Like
0: him driving, oh my god, in San Diego and it's just the hardest fucking sunset filter ever made yeah. by man oh. on the front of the camera lens as he parks his fucking motorcycle. They, they do a great mirror.
2: mentor. They do a great mirror, because also, fourth act, you like, first act can give you great mirrors, because like, right, the only other time you see him in a bar or whatever is like when he's with Goose, with and Goose. how he met his wife the first time and then he goes and he meets his wife at like a sad dinner table and it's like oh my god like what's changed from the beginning to the end of the movie now it's just two broken people oh it's so good
0: and the lesson right the lesson is like you need to get your confidence back and in the end he's like all right i will graduate he was about to flame out and the and him getting his mojo back is him deciding to graduate and of course Anyways, Russians yep. decide to attack just then. And Russians, course, actually, you know, nobody, knows, nobody knows no what the knows end of that movie, movie is. That's true. Actually, it
2: wasn't Russians. I want to be clear. No, it's it is. Unc- it's like MIGs are in the wrong space, but there's no war going it's on because okay they're still- kill them. <laughs> yeah, it's so <laughs> weird and unclear
0: because they didn't want to like. But, yeah, yeah, they don't, don't want to it, put a it, place. But it doesn't anyway. matter.
1: It literally doesn't yeah, it matter. Does matter. If you lay down the fucking foundation. If you get the emotion right, as long as the audience wants Tom Cruise wants Maverick to get over his shit and fucking. And blow up some
2: fucking fighter jets it doesn't matter why they're there like you'd like it you, was the last little thing they need for that fifth act you don't need that much his growth has gone. all you need is the fucking him and the him and ice man slapping high fives the that end. that's all he also does throw, throw the dog tags to be water.
0: fair oh yeah that's
2: attacks. true I guess that's more important whatever I don't care as a kid <laughs> let's all, let's all I was all him right.
1: and Val Kimmer, baby. baby <laughs> uh, by the way I was also just real quick I was gonna say spider-man three the emo disco spidey montage chef's mm, kiss <laughs> I don't know, I mean, that that's maybe just, that's, that's really, that's really more Act 3. I can't tell him being a dick like that. But anyway, I just love that scene. I wanted to put it in there. It's um, <laughs> a great scene. So act 5. Act right. 5. So now we Bring are it at the climactic action of the movie. This is where my limited knowledge of Romeo and Juliet is really put to the test. This is, you I know... I mean, they
2: die, Will. That's doomed love. a good fit yes.
1: They're doomed love. The tragic ironies, you know, like it's... The, yes, this is where the, the, the emotions all come to bear. It is the finale of the story. Like, what else do you need to say about a fifth act? This is... Fucking, it's Hugh Grant visits Julia Roberts on the set of her movie to overcome mm-hmm. everything to say what he needs to say to her, right? This is the mm-hmm. airport chase in many a romantic comedy. This is yes. Hans Gruber's got Holly Gennaro at gunpoint, and John mcclane has got his hands up ready to shoot, right? Like, this is the everyone knows what the finale of a movie is. I got an M. Well, I've got a number. I got an okay. S slash T. All right. Uh, my number is 127 hours.
0: Ooh. I, yes, yes, so yes, 127 yes, hours yes, again. Yes. Like, this is
1: a, a, a miracle of a screenplay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the cause I miracle remember, screenplay, d- as far as a fucking pitch for a movie, being like a guy is stuck under a rock for two hours is like about as hard a pass as I would normally give anything. But that movie is an adventure, and it is an adventure because it hits all of these beats, and they managed to make that canyon an entire world, an entire journey that he goes on. But so, to me the climax of this movie is it kicks off with, there's he's got to fucking cut his arm off, man. Like, yep. the,
0: and it's, you yep. know, the you've entire been dreading, movie. You've been dreading it, knowing it's coming the whole
1: movie. His low point, his end moment is basically like, am I just going to give up and die? Yeah. And then the decision to, like, I'm going to, I got to do it, right? Like And he's tried to do it before but he's going to steal himself up for it. He's learned that he wants to be a part of the world again. This is a guy who is an isolationist to the extreme, right? And it's a miracle because they they, they managed to imbue, I'll realize Story with so much rich thematic stuff, but like literally, he's mm-hmm. only out here stuck because he didn't tell anyone where he's going. Because he keeps the world at a distance. That's why he at arm's length, as it were. Mm. So he's trapped here by his own isolationism. He realizes that he wants to be a part of the world again. He needs to fight for it. Right. His so low point. is like, wait, I'm still stuck. To oh this shit, rock. I'm still stuck to this
2: <laughs> I mean, But here, so but here's again, no, I no, exactly. The, this, this is why point.
1: this it's... movie is such a trial by fire. This is literally like you have nothing to hide behind, right? And yeah. it's like it just lays bare the truth which is that it is the emotional story is the story mm-hmm. right yes. and you have to if you are moving the emotional story along the physical world can stay in place and it's also another trap again we love action movies a lot of action movies think just because they're moving the story around from place to place to place that the emotion that, the, that their movie is going somewhere but it's not necessarily it's like the emotional is not going anywhere anyway he cuts his arm off right but it's not just that that to me is the first half of the finale and again, so like this, and one of my and again, I people rag on Blake Snyder. I think it's overblown that people don't like Blake Snyder. His second book, Save the Cat Strikes Back, breaks down a good finale, and the start of the finale is the character throwing everything that they've got at the problem, right? And this is them at their best selves, but it is they inevitably run into the problem of like now you have to grow, right? everything you've got is not enough. You have to, and he calls this the dig down deep moment. You've got to yes. give it that extra fucking yep. little bit of us. This is the classic Star Wars moment is use the force, right? Luke is this guy who doubts himself constantly. He's plagued by like feelings of like, am I good enough? Am I really force sensitive? Am I really? We build brilliantly too. Like we see him tested to his limits in the X-Wing, his bravery, everything's put to the test. But then that last moment is use the force. You have to trust in yourself. This movie does this great, which is that he cuts his arm off. But what is that if not the ultimate act of self-reliance? Right. This is a guy who's all about independence, and he's able to do this incredibly visceral thing on his own. He saws his fucking arm off to climb out of a fucking canyon. But then the real challenge occurs. He hasn't had food or drank anything other than his own piss in seven days. He's bleeding profusely from the arm. They use water as this metaphor for connection throughout the film, right? Like in like the like the being connected to other people and. The real climax of this movie is he's now cut his arm off and he is staggering, bleeding, dying through the fucking desert. And he sees someone in the distance and he can't reach them. And he's trying to wave to them and he can't get their attention. The movie builds up to him screaming at the top of his lungs, I need help which is the one yes. thing he's never been able to say his whole life. He's yes. never been able to just say those words. And then they they do the one, I guess the one of the most cathartic things I've ever seen in a movie. He screams, I need help, right? And then they turn and they see him. And then they do this rapid fire montage going like from this moment to further in his life. He's going forward. What's the first thing they gave him? A bottle of water. Boom, that symbol. He chugs it down. You're seeing him getting help by people. Water keeps coming up. And then they do this incredible cut or they cut to him like a year later, diving into a pool of water as he's swimming yes yeah. and it is like it was like a religious experience for me it was like such oh, an incredible that movie. moment Love I mean, so like that to me is like it to me lays bare everything that i love in a good climax which is that it really your movie needs to be, And again speed racer does this brilliantly is the dumps it at, anyway we might be talking about
2: speed, racer, later on. Talking about speed on. racer which is i was gonna say is essentially just 127 now it's just because he even fucking gets milk at the end at the end he's like help i need milk i need more milk and they give him milk at the end it's incredible <laughs> in yep.
0: the end of speed racer yeah well speaking by the Way will of digging deep and religious experiences what greater climax than the matrix oh my god i mean yeah come on because he's beginning to believe right he could run he could run away here but for the first time he's gonna face this agent down because he believes and he does but it's not enough Mm -hmm. right he he declares to agent smith right like my name is neil throws him against the wall but it's not enough he shows up and he's running He's not killed. He needs love, baby. It turns out that's what you need that. He's come back. It's a Christ parable. It's all all of those things. But when he comes back and he starts blocking with one arm, Mm -hmm. a very vivid memory from my teenage years, as the first time in the movie theater, I was so enraptured by what was happening on screen that I stood up in the theater i like i was so taken out i was like i cannot believe that this is such an experience it drove me to my feet mm-hmm. i was like three rows up. i who, sorry whoever was behind me that moment was so much for me that i stood up just to watch it just to be closer to what was happening as mm-hmm. he blocks those punches and comes back one of the greatest climaxes of all time. i
1: mean yeah that the moment of him they're running and he stops and oh. turns around to face agent Smith is like, <gasps> like the and yeah. movie. So, I remember the yeah. gas yeah. in the theater. I mean, they're masters. Oh. The Wachowskis are absolutely incredible. And that again, like that again, same thing. I didn't I I unfortunately never got to see the Matrix in theaters, but I saw it on TV. Um, I saw it. I've rented it on it was the first DVD. I think we ever rented and it was literally like it was again a religious experience. I was glued to the fucking television. And again, like when he sees the code again, it's also this is a moment of thesis and antithesis becoming synthesis right and man mm-hmm. and machine becoming something greater he literally is able to see the matrix anyway what a what a fucking movie what a I flick
2: mean. Yeah, there's the fifth act. Is, I'm just gonna say Speed Racer really quick. Actually, just before we talk about Speed Racer, just so just so I can recommend a fucking movie that people haven't seen and we mentioned it before, which is To Be or Not to Be. If you want the comedy equivalent of Speed Racer, it's watching Jack Benny pretend to be Hitler um, and, and and trick a bunch of Nazis that he is Hitler out of the <laughs> it, is, it is one of the funniest. Just it is a slow build comedy that just is Jack Benny pretending having an actor having to pretend to be Hitler in order to save Poland is one of the greatest fucking. As long as we're talking anyway. about
1: To Be or not to be one of the all time best act one moments, which is where, so he's this snooty actor who's at this acting troupe in Poland and he's this, you know, like egocentric dum-dum. And then his wife is clearly <laughs> fucking other dudes like constantly yes. behind his
0: back. And then he
1: literally always during like, his monologue, always during his monologue. And what else? The fucking fourth act, uh, or I think the third act, I can't remember, but literally he's doing Hamlet at the beginning and he gets up, he's literally about to do the to be or not to be monologue and he gets up on stage and the crowd is silent and he goes, to be or not to be, and then his wife's lover just gets up and yeah. walks from the middle of the theater out it's to go so fuck good. his wife, and he's just like reciting this speech and trying to stay in character, but his eyes are just following this guy. Yeah. It's
2: so funny. It's a brilliant movie. You should all watch it. But yes, yeah, yeah, so just yeah. really. Speed, I mean, Speed. I mean, I think we probably whenever we write, we mention, we talk about Speed Racer because yeah, yeah. you know what? I mean, Speed Racer. You could definitely break it down in the same way as The Matrix and Twenty Seven Hours, but that is still probably the only movie where the fifth act, every time I've seen it, and at this point, I've probably seen the fifth act like 80 times. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm yeah. not exaggerating. I've watched it. Cause I'll just put it on, I'll watch the fifth act, I'll listen to the music, yeah, yeah. fucking, you know, it's just it's a religious experience. Because, and I realize you talking about the second act is really what it is, because at the end of the day, is the perfect the last moment like 127 27 hours literally the car has he he's he's raced the best race he can he's gone against it but yes like big industry will take him down like mm-hmm. they're not going to win but he's not going to win either they break his car and literally he his the car is like hovering over the abyss it's like literally this like mm-hmm. drain sink that he's yeah, in the there's car's a weird right drain at the sink. edge of the abyss they built
0: a drain in the <laughs> yes. race track yes
2: and it's like there's no there's nothing left, and like they don't even do it. It's, it almost seems pretty much impossible. Like physically, it is impossible for him to win the race. And it's just, what is he gonna do? And because the movie's so internal, so much is about the meaning of art and why you do what it is that you love to do. It's just, is he gonna let everything go? Is he gonna let the past? Is he gonna let his brother's death? Is he gonna let the reasons for racing? Is it doesn't matter. Like you can't win if you play their game. It's not about proving that. It's not about industry. It's not about proving anything. It's, it's just, just about, about racing. You do it. Yeah. It's just about racing. And the only person he can listen to is the car itself. Yep. There's <laughs> yeah. nobody yep. else. It's just what he loves. And then he fucking just then it's, it's just a fucking montage yeah. of, of, of symbolic meaning as he just does it better than anybody. It is also but it is very much he's been
1: listening to everybody else the whole movie. Yes. Royalton, Racer X, his dad, his mom, you know, the other drivers. It's all been other people telling him what racing is about. For that movie to build up to, he's in this busted car, and he says, "What do you need?" And he's, he's yes. not just asking the car; he's asking himself for the first time. Yes. What he's do at I the most the deepest right? existential and question? What and do the you only need? Only thing he needs is to race. Is to race, <laughs> yes. and then he dumps the car into fifth. And again, it is about again. This is a movie is like to make art. You have to get everything else out of the way, all your bullshit. You've got to clear all of it. Right. And then that is when you can do something miraculous. Like
2: that is when you can transcend. And I think the reason is transcendent and what I love about it, what I think it does, you know, and and again, clearly it probably has other meanings in terms of just beyond arts just about being, you know, true to yourself. Like, right. Mm-hmm. Thinking about the Wachowskis and, and who they are now. Like, like when you can be true to yourself and do something that's truly who you are mm-hmm. is not just about you it's the, the the montage is also the people watching it mm-hmm. it makes their lives better like they are yep. watching something truly beautiful yes. and whether it's just art it's really just about being who you are and understanding who you are when you show that to the world mm-hmm. it makes the world a better place ah. it can defeat business it can defeat anything mm-hmm. like it is and then at the end he's like yo I need milk I'm thirsty <laughs> yeah, and, and it's it like 127 milk. hours and he <laughs> and gets he's, a bunch hasn't of milk. Had
0: milk since the breakfast scene and now he gets milk and that final. Wraps a bow in speed racer. It's like the
2: least pretentious version of why art matters. It's yeah. just. Maybe because it's about racing and not art, but it is art. Right? I, it's do, just about I do being think that's a big
1: part of it. I think if it was about yeah. an artist, you'd be like, "Kill me!" <laughs> you'd be like, yeah. he about made a-, a movie so beautiful, everybody's <laughs> crying."
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: anyway. that's what it's about. Anyways, uh, Anyways guys, so I love
1: movies so much. I love movies. They're all fucking good
0: love movies, I go movies back dude. To oh my a god! god damn it, I'm going <laughs> insane. It's a joy for us to be able to talk about movies because if you can't tell, we love movies quite a bit. I hope you've enjoyed this run through what we think of when we think about the five act structure. Some oh, of every active
1: gladiator...
0: <laughs> Oh, every <laughs> act of gladiator. Forget about it anyway. <laughs> anyway, there's plenty of great movies out there. Please go, go watch them. Go, go. Let's all go to the movies when we can. Thank you so much for supporting the show and
1: yes. being a part of the maximum fun network. It is because y'all support this podcast that we get to do this incredibly fun thing every week and have got since 2017. We've been doing this guys.
2: Wow. Do you think we're in our fourth act or fifth act? We're in, <laughs> we're in act one, baby. We're still in act one. It- it's, We're you know, going, baby. We're still finding ourselves. To
1: speak from the heart, <laughs> it is like you know, like the story break is one of the things that keeps me going creatively as an artist. Mm-hmm. Like being able, and again, especially this year of all years, like to be distanced, to be able to still make art yes. and, and make each other laugh and make movies. I'm so thankful that I get to spend so much great time with you guys being creative and having oh, fun thanks, thanks. Will. and I'm so thankful to the maximum fun network and all of our amazing supporters for letting us get to continue to do this every week. It is truly, yes. truly a blessing.
0: Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed. Please check out some of our other bonus content It should be on the feed, uh, in other years. And until next time, my name is Freddie Wong.
2: I'm Will Campos. My name is Matt Arnold. What do you need, Matt? Subscribe. <laughs> I need your money for MaxFun. fun. Please subscribe to Matt. You already to Max subscribed. I'm <laughs> him up for money. Oh, that's right. You already subscribed. Good job. Thank you. <laughs>
0: MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist-owned, audience-supported.